Uh, with me today, Steve Renazizi. Uh, employee, I'm, former employee. Yeah, former employee here. Uh, he was very influential in getting me a job here when I was an open micer and I didn't know, you know, how to get taken advantage of yep. properly. And we showed uh, you the way. We showed you how to take advantage of people. Yeah. And, and use human labor force, cheap human labor force. <laughs> the just promise of, <laughs> hey, great the news promise for you. of success that you don't have to really cash in on. No, absolutely not. In fact, if you do, that goes against the, the comedy store way. Yeah. Um, now what, you started working when, obviously you've moved on, you're one of the people who's gone from employee. Yeah. Well, old school, like back I got in the here day. in, I got a job through, um, well, I got a job two ways. There was a guy named Alex Keanu who worked here. Okay. He was a door guy and a cover booth guy. And he booked a lot of commercials and he just started doing stand up, but he was really, and he is really good looking. So Mitzi, great looking, great looking. Okay. So Mitzi made him a regular right out of the bat. She was like, oh, quickest way to success in the comedy world to be be good looking, looking Latino guy. Yeah, that works out. Who is white as the sun. Perfect. He was non-threatening, non-threatening, but something exotic, handsome. So I meet him, and he tells me that he works here, and I tell him I do comedy. I met him at this gym because we both played baseball, and uh, and so he brings me in here. God, athletic sons of bitches. Yeah, Great looking athletic sons of bitches. Thank you. Yep, we do the best we can. I mean, no, I'm not good looking or athletic. I didn't. I'm not that. I'm I'm okay in both. Who's the quarterback? Number the number three on the depth chart. Number one in your hearts. <laughs> <laughs> number three on the depth chart. <laughs> Number one in your hearts, <laughs> Steven Randazzo. Randzisi. Randando. How many times I have people are like, are you Polish? That's Polish. That's the worst. How Ranzisi? much more Italian can you know? get? Um, so anyway, all right, back to, and then what happened was, so I was like, okay, I know this place exists. I have a friend here now. And then I got a gig opening in my old college for this guy named Bobby Lee. Okay. And I had met him the week before haphazardly at Damiano's Pizza Place. Great pizza. He Great was there, and I went over to him. I was like, hey, do you have, are you you Bobby Lee? He said, yeah. I said, I happen to be open for you at my own college next week. And he's like, why don't you do the other three with me? And I did the other three. And just like you know how Bobby does, he gives out a lot of wishes. He's like, I'm going to do everything for you. I'm going to get sure. you on the Tonight Show. I never got any of that, but I've heard. I got that, but right. he – made good on the promise of bringing me in here and getting helping me get a job. So when I walked in the manager's door, I said, I know Alex Keanu and Bobby Lee recommended me. And who's sitting in the manager's office but Jason Lucas? And he goes, oh, got anybody else? And I was like, well, I know John Reed. He goes, oh, yeah? You know John Reed? Boom. Yeah? That's John Reed's my roommate. I moved out here with him. Wow. So and, I was like, like, and I and I did know John Reap. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's, and Luke is just trying to break my balls from day one, trying to hate uh, me. Jason Lucas is uh, a, a former employee here, yeah. comedian, uh, jolly, chubby, bald dude. From uh, North from, Carolina. Or from West Virginia. West Virginia. By way of North Carolina State. From the, he, yeah, Raleigh. I think he did time at uh, Charlie Goodnight's out there. Oh, yeah, I did time out there. And this guy, he's great. He has an amazing laugh and one of the angriest dispositions about life, no matter what. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, so he's busting balls, which is hilarious in itself. Yeah, so he's just breaking. But then I got a job here, and then the next night was my first night of work. And this was like, I guess, two weeks after they had fired Chewy. Right. I guess Alleged. for whatever. Where he allegedly sold Coke out of the parking lot. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. we, we There's really no holds barred here on the podcast. So Yeah. Uh, allegedly sold cocaine. And Chewy's just your run of the mill. He looked like odd job from James Bond movies. Yep. Wore the, the bowler hat and everything. Yeah, Asian. so he, he was gone, and now Fat James was running the parking lot. Yeah. And so I pulled in on my first night of work here, parked my car, came into work. You know, I'd never been here before. Yeah. I'm sitting it. down in the back corner booth waiting for someone to tell me what to do. And James comes rolling in. He's like, hey, man, you better get that sh- piece of shit car out of here before I have it towed. And I was like, hey, man, nice to meet you, too. Parked it up to hell. Yeah. He thought, he thought he ran the parking lot when he, he yeah, to him, that was like the greatest thing ever. It was like getting made. That fat motherfucker was <laughs> so dreadful. His name comes up every time anyone from our era. Oh, does the podcast? Here. Yeah. And, it, and it's well, how just could like, it not? then there was this, this fucking overbearing thought. Like that's, he thought he was like a made man because he pressed the piece. Yeah, he's one of those ones where people are like, yeah, you going uh, to James's service at uh, you know Rocco's Tavern in the Valley? No. Did Ari do what he did? He tell you the story about when he how he told Jason Glern? No. All right. Now, for whoever listens to this, I want you to know this is Ari Shafir, not me. First, so send yeah. the letters. Don't hate the show. The league coming September fourth on FX. That's right. The new season. Check it season out. Five. FXX. FXX, two X's, new channel, new night, Wednesday nights. Taking over. Taking over Wednesday nights. There's two billboards and there's a bus riding around Los Angeles with my face on the side. Hello. But Ari Shafir, we're in the back here, alley, allegedly smoking marijuana. It happens at sacred ground areas. So we're filling Jason Glern, who hasn't been here in a while, in on what's going on. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Why wouldn't it? So, uh... So Ari, this is Steve Simone, me, uh, Jason Galern, and Ari. Ari just turns to Jason and goes, hey, did you hear about Fat James? And Jason goes, no, what? What happened? He goes, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard just so he's like, he's dead. Because from the joy of the, did you hear about Fat James? And then apart. Jason matching his... His actual, genuine... What happened? Yeah, Whoa, what happened? He, he's like, oh, oh, oh what, what happened? He's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it could have been anything, because, you know, eight years ago, James was telling me about how I'm a, I'm an idiot and how I need to get with his representation, because yeah. he's filming a B-movie with Sherman Helmsley in uh, the Caribbean. The most nervous I've ever seen, Simone. There was like a three-month period, and I'm not exaggerating, where James was teetering on, like, making it, like, being, like, a like working actor. Right. And not from jealousy, was, but Simone was like, oh, my God. Like, because he was living with him. He's like, oh, that's the end. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's like, the end for me. If, like, I have to listen to Fat James going off to work. <laughs> Go going off to work every day. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing a "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" promo with Fat James in it. And yeah, like what? Yeah, but it, you know, it's got the fat moron. Yo, he had a look. look down. 
last time I saw him, his look had started to drift. It was uh, towards the end of his spell with cancer. And oh. He was on a motorized cart at Ralph's oh in the valley. God. He's rolling down the aisle with some person right at me, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, it's Fat James. Rolling down makes brief eye contact with me and kind of just, you know, give that head nod like, oh, here we go. I'm going to have to fucking talk to this fat fuck. And <laughs> oh, just, Rest in peace. Just, right by, I'm just like, oh, oh shit. Fat James big time, Jew. Well, I, I think he was so pilled up at that point. I don't think he knew what's going on. Oh, really? I think he just big time, Jew. It's possible. That I think after all me. the years of jazzing. Jeez. We used to fucking, me and Danish and O'Neill used to, uh, call him Desiree one night for whatever reason just as like a shot in the dark insult he said something man I said yeah whatever Desiree don't ever fucking call me that don't ever fucking call me Desiree immediately Danish and O'Neill was well 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 calm down Desiree oh my god all of you stop it and just for whatever reason, he got so upset, it was just like, uh, oh, well, you've mistaken and shown us a weakness. Yeah, that's bad news. Time for exploitation. So that for weeks we called him Desiree and he'd try and smash us into walls. Oh my god. Don't fucking talk to me. Why? Why would he, no, we, we never figured it out, for whatever reason. Took it to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> that fat motherfucker. Oh man. Ari's impression of him finding out oh, his wife cheated on eating. him. Killer. Crying and eating. Yeah, that was our that was our crew. I worked at the back door first for a while, and then the front door, and then you got those main. You got like once a month, you got the main room front. You make some make some make some cash, a little bit under the table cash. Sell the booths, sell those booths. Little heavy handed tips. Yeah, not was Jim Painter. Uh, Yeah, Jim Painter before after you. He was there before me, uh, and he left. You know. Before, I think he left, I was still, he was still an employee, I think, when I left. I think that's the way it went. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, he was there and he was like the regular, like once a month, it was like he would get a front door spot. Rick Ramos would get a front door Ramos, spot. That's right. I would get a front door spot and then Lucas would take one and he was in charge of making the uh, schedule too. Right. Um, and he did that for years. Years. No, he didn't really seem After to do anything he, else. Yeah, like he had like a regular job and he was still doing the schedule here. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I got that once a month and then I got trained on the cover booth. Right. That's where you were at when I started working here. Yeah, I got trained in the cover booth and, and then. That, uh, the cover booth is like. Where you sell the tickets. It's a, yeah, it's a, sp- a special. They don't just let any moron work there. They got a one. I used to think that, but I've seen some idiots well, work. That's true. <laughs> well, back in the day, they you had to be someone they trusted with customer yeah. service, and because you're answering phones, you're answering phones. You're the like usually dealing one the of customer. the like dealing with the customers. You're also dealing with the money of taking the money, right. doing the transaction of credit cards. You know, so you have some sort of fiscal responsibility, right? At the end of the night. And how long into working the cover? Harris Pete was. Harris Pete was the pretty much. A lot of we've discussed him before. Harris Pete, this disgruntled employee, worked at the comedy store thirty years or something. Yeah, it had ridiculous. to be 30, longer, I think. The rumors are he, he once lived in an apartment with Letterman and Leno, and they're they doing what they do, and he does what he did. Yes, they made a promise that they would help each other out, and then you know, 
This guy was just a fucking colossal prick, though. It had a couple moments where I found him absolutely hysterical. Yes. Uh, but a disgruntled attitude that is so far beyond, like, even at a, yeah, a he was, asylum like he was, this. He was a cr- an curmudgeon. Yeah. Just an old, beaten, every, yeah, his horrible man. So lonely. Lonely. I could say very lonely. Yeah. I only I saw him, him on ever get excited for two things. One was Sophie. Do you remember Sophie Domirera's old old girlfriend? Right. He loved Sophie. Whenever Domirera would bring Sophie around, Harris would light up. And there was this dog they would watch, a pit bull, for his he had this gay neighbor who lived upstairs and who had a pit bull. And whenever he would go on the road, he, Harris would watch the pit bull, and Harris would bring it with him to work. It was this like hundred ten pound pit bull sitting outside with Harris. And he he. Love that thing. Hell but yeah. other than that, everything else was like piece of shit trash. That guy is garbage. Other than the Jim worst. Barney. Yeah. Who he loved. Smoked a lot. Yep. Constantly smoked. Loved to drink a little bit at night. Uh, probably in his 25 to 35 years as a doorman, probably made off with, the, I mean, statue of limitations, I'm gonna assume, in the comedy world. <laughs> far, far gone by, so. Ballparking, what he got stolen from him in comedy store illegal wages, he definitely made up for it. Yeah, he under the kind table. of started his own 401k. Let's just put it that, that way. Yeah, that's a great way of saying um, Yeah, he sort of... retirement plan began in about 78. Yeah, and then began the pyramid scheme for a little while, which was good. Um, pa- yeah, pass it down. Pass it down. Get you was cut. sort of Yeah, there was sort of a give He was the whitey bulg- bulger of... of yeah. You want doormen. At one point, there were only two cover booth guys, me and Tommy. That was it. We were running the show. It was me three nights a week, for him four nights a week, and then him actually six nights a week because his other two, he would go over to the main room and do the main room on Saturday, and right. I would do the OR on Saturday. I would pick up Mitzi on my way in. Oh. No, I would go to her house at 9 o'clock, oh. make sure she got into bed okay, and then come here at so this, 10. This is Saturday. This is Saturday night. Every, Every Saturday. Saturday <clears throat> my night started because I was a cover booth, OR cover booth guy. So the show started at 10.30. I have the door open at 10. You know, you're supposed to do the credit card things, but you never did them beforehand. Hell no. yeah. So I would go to Mitzi's house, eat, kill some food, and then make sure she got to bed okay, and then went to... uh and then went to the comedy store. And sometimes on the off chance, she would be like, let's go. And she would want to come in with me and I would have to drive her in. Always fucking a scary and brutal thing. Always. When you saw that lady because in the car pull into that lot and you're just like, oh. to me, it was like the less time you were around her and that she could really look at you, the better you were because but it was everyone was getting fired. People would get fired. People would lose spots. People would lose. Yeah. If and it's you, like that that was your equity here. You may be broke financially, but at least if you had some spots here or you had some, you know, so, uh, some sort of clout, you could that was like your equity here. You could you right. could get through and if she could just take that all away like monopoly. Yeah, I remember someone working for her as a her assistant or her runner or whatever it was. And uh and then Mikey Romano was the kid's name. Oh, he, yeah. He did, like, impressions and yes. stuff. Um, and this guy just fucking had the best spots. Yeah, Like, just killed it in the middle of the show and was not really that funny. A couple of his impressions were okay, but for the most part, if I remember, they were all just, like, your standard run-of-the-mill, 
impressions that every impressionist does type yeah. of thing. And then he uh, he angered her. He made her wait or something to pick her up from oh, a doctor's appointment. That's all it takes. And never again did that extremely talented last week performer yep. ever get a spot again. When I first got here, was Marcus was her guy. That was, was the guy. That was the guy who drove her around. He was the nicest guy in the world. He the nice thought. Everything was just smile, happy, great. So out of place. Love to work out and work here. Those are his two things he loved to do. Um, yeah, but now it's like, I haven't seen Mitzi in two or two and a half years, I don't think. Uh, yeah, Kinda, I, saw her I would a love to months. go over and. Not too long ago. She yeah. was here one night. It was fairly shocking. But yeah. She did give a lot of favor to people that she was close with. Like, I remember when I worked the cover booth, those lineups sometimes, it was like, like Lemare did her hair or yep. something like that. So like she got a spot at like nine, nine fifteen or nine, no, like nine thirty or nine o'clock. I don't know what, how, what Lemare's hair record is, but there are some frightening yeah. hairstyles coming in where you're like, I don't know if you should be getting stage time for stage this. time. She should be getting arrested. Frightening, like haunted house. Like what? What did you do? There? Yeah. Those were bad lineups, man. Yeah, Barbie Orr. Oof. Some other page. She remember her coming up to me when I was sitting at the back door and being like, who is this? Little blonde girl walks up and she's like, oh, are you new? Like, yeah. Oh, I'm Barbie. Like, oh, yeah. I've got a 945 spot tonight. I'm just like, wow, she must be good. No, horrible. No way. It was like alphabetical order sometimes. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, because Dumpy she would read even, her the names. She wouldn't even get through H. No, that was it. It was like Lamare, Laboka. Yeah, yeah. Fat baby. Fat baby. Cappy. Thank God. Then that's when Rogan got here, and then started to clean up the middle of that lineup, and then just sort of cleaned it all up after that. There was no more garbage. Yeah. Cause it was like for a while, I worked the cover booth in that room and to, char- to charge people $20. I remember. And then I, like an yeah. hour later, they would come back and be like, really? And this is a period yeah. where it's like there was no one. And I'm not saying like those people are bad or whatever. Like some of them are bad. But yes, but I'm saying like there was like a real, there was a tone. That show needs, as it needs to have a certain sort of vibe to it. It's the later show. It should be a little more. Yeah. It's not like a – no one over the age of 50 really is like being like, that's the show I want to go to or those are the kind of comedians I want to see. Yeah, I mean I, I was here – that was my only source of income back then. So I was here six, seven nights a week working. And I, I just remember being like, this is professional comedy. Yeah. And they used to be, these people were bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, it seemed like – this is probably – for me, I'm talking like 2004, around there, 2003 – and uh I like I feel like a lot of those people were probably like the the C option comic in like ninety five. Mm-hmm. Like they were the guy you went to. Yeah. Everyone else was out of town yep. in ninety five, and they definitely shouldn't be on a lineup in two thousand anything. No, but because you know she wasn't as involved in the club at that point, she's going with names she was familiar with and. Like you said, the alphabetical. Yeah, but it stunted some of our groves. It was brutal. There was a lot of pain. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was one of those things where there's still plenty of nights where I'm just like, this fucking lineup is so horrible. But it is at least this generation's terrible. Yep. And, you know, you can't. 
I remember trying to get past, man. That was the thing. It was like between all of us, it was like who was going to get past first. Yeah, and I then Ramos got past before all of us, and I got past before everyone. And I just remember everyone being like, Fuck "Yep, this you guy. got past before me." Yeah, I got past the same day as Ari. Yep, and Kirk Fox. Kirk she came Fox. in to pass Ari, past Kirk Fox and me as well. And I just remember everyone being like, "Fuck yep. this guy." She uh, she passed um, Rick Ramos, and we all went to the Saddle Ranch. Hmm. Yep, to to congratulate him. And then I thought for sure, bro, I was next. And then it was years, years torture. I the actually, to be honest with you, and I'm sure this probably won't come as a shock to you, but the first time I went up, I went up to Duncan's office like George Jefferson. I was like, had a swagger about me. He knew, and I was You're like, so news. uh, how'd that go last night? And he was like, you know, Duncan's just like, yeah, it's great. Man. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, the showcase. I was on the showcase. He's like. Um, oh, she didn't say anything. And I was like, huh? What does that mean? That's a good thing or a bad thing? He's like, no, just nothing this time. I'm like, what? I'm like, I did great. He's like, yeah, you probably did. Doesn't really, you know, that's sort of just a thing. And I was like, oh, this is, oh, okay. Uh, oh, she, this sucks. Yeah. And yeah. then I, then I just started guessing at what she wanted. Yeah. Like I, I said before, she's picked a lot of the great ones, but there's a lot of names on that wall that you're like, how the fuck did that happen? How did the Ace Trucking Company do what they did? Yep. So yeah, she, she had a way, of, a, a way of torturing comics badly. And, uh, wow. So, and, and I know you were doing punked. Well, then that was 2006 and I got, well, 2003 is when I did punked. But I still, when I did Punked, because it was MTV, nobody ever, you know, they, they, we don't, they don't pay anything on that show, right. ever. It, it, so I still had to work here. Yeah, it was like a one or... So yeah, it was like, I would do them during the day, once in a while, and then I would come here at night, and then they started airing them, and then, you know, it was a little bit like, not, I was unrecognizable, but like, there was a, a level of like, you know, people were like, wait, aren't, they would come up, to, aren't you the guy from Punk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got, you work in a. Yeah, then there was like that, like, wait. Dark closet? What are you doing here? This looks like there should be a Like, fucking... people just assume that everyone on television is just rich. Yeah, and if you just, if you've never been here, you walk up the front steps of the original room, and it looks like there's a jerk-off booth or something. Yeah. Like, you're walking into a old strip club. Yeah, like a seedy, Like, I remember doing place. the, uh, there used to be a laugh factory in New York, and it was in an old strip club peep, peep porn show. shop. The peep, wor- peep world or something and, like that. Like, when you walked in, it was like, there there might be dudes jerking off behind any wall. Good. And that's how it felt. Yeah. Wonderful. I like it was that the vibe. only thing that was close to this place. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it it didn't last very long, but so yeah, you go up to the creepy person in the booth to buy a ticket, and that was me. It's, yeah. And then the people would be like, "Wait, am I on punked right now?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's it. it we're punking you. We've moved on. Take a ticket. Go sit, sit inside down. and shut the fuck up. Go Don't cause me any problems tonight. My life is punked. My life is. This old lady has my life in her hands. <laughs> sit me in this box right now, wasting away." Those were the days also of rules. God almighty, there were so many rules. It was like the first fallout was the person that could 
got there the first, but signed up with the cover booth guy, but the, the phone guy was the guy you could sign up with, but Early the cover on. booth guy got there, the list flip flopped. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. All I did was put myself on first every time. Yeah. I was I, like, hey, you know who gets the first fallout if they see the cover guy first? Well, I woke up with him this morning. Yeah. So I'm first, motherfucker. <laughs> you think I'm sitting in this box for fun? I, yeah, I was never further down than three because I didn't have a life at all. And I would just spend all day at the beach and then show up here at like six to fucking yeah. I was like, hang out I'm night. going on first if there's a fallout. Yeah, and... Uh, there were a lot of nights where there were fallouts. Or, yeah, or there was like... there was no audience. So a lot of the comics would cancel too. Yeah. Like there'd be, like, the show would peak with like 18 people. Have we had day, I mean, we would, there were days, and I'm not saying like in a row, but like days, way more days than I'm sure it happened now where you couldn't start the show for a while. Uh, yeah, definitely. We had to get six and it would take you to like 9.40. Before they had six people, and again, those were the days that I got to go up because I never got stage time yeah. when I first got past. I was lucky to get past because I didn't have to put up the normal bullshit, but I, I still didn't get any fucking love out of that. Yeah. Then it was just like, yeah, I'll have fun, sit back to work, and be tortured by the wheeze. <laughs> the wheeze. Uh, now I was uh, I was thinking about I was telling a story. Recently about monkey bones. Oh yeah. There was a, I don't know how to describe him other than literally. He, he's a nine fingered Yugoslavian lighter salesman. Is it nine or nine and a half? Cause he's got no, a, like yeah, it's a nine knob. and a half. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's nine it's and a half. Missing like, uh, the, the, the top two or the top yeah. one and a half units of his left ring finger. Yeah, are gone. It's gone. Gone. And it's just a little like he no. looks like he's always doing that little trick where you remove your put your thumb out there. Right. Yeah. He looks like he's doing it really well. And if you shake his hand with it, he'll nub you. Yeah, he'll he put, stick great. that nub into the middle of your hand. Bro, bro, seriously. And he had uh he carried this little suitcase unit briefcase. It was a briefcase, I guess. Briefcase of trinkets. And inside was like thirty to forty novelty lighters. Yeah. Bro, for you, hilarious. His uh, lighter looks like big black dick. Yeah, loved giving away lighters. And it would, it would be literally a, a lighter, about three inches long, shaped like a black penis, and you'd crank the balls or something, and the fire would, the come fire out would of the shoot out. Tip. Yep, and everybody Bro, smoked, so everyone was needed lighters. Yeah, and it sold them for like three bucks or something. Yeah. You get that, you get like. I had a Statue of Liberty lighter that I got from him where the flame came out of the torch, obviously. Yep. Um, and he, he's just buying this shit from some Mexican down in downtown area, or whatever. Just selling it, though. Oh, seriously. So I wouldn't get a good kick out of you know torturing this guy about Slobodan Milosevic and Yugoslavian <laughs> uh, genocide. You were very smart for a big asshole. One of my favorite nights that I remember here was a night that uh, Monkey Bones was selling a, a stun gun or a taser. Do you recall what it was? It was a taser. Taser. So he's trying to sell this taser. And well, the taser's the one with the, that you press the button, it goes between the two things, right? I think that's the taser. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the taser. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that thing is, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it doesn't the shoot out. Yeah, it shoots out the side the, between the two, like, prongs. Right. Uh, and he's been, Monkey Bones is selling one of those that he probably stole from somewhere or something. But he's been told, don't bring this on the property. It's a weapon. You know, it, very serious. The comedy store is one of the only places on earth that 
uh, believes in banning adults. Yeah. Like you said, they're not going to press charges against you, but they'll ban they'll you. They'll ban you, yeah. Give me death. Don't say banishment. So they told Dean, the manager at the time, told Monkey Bones, bro, don't bring that, that no. taser around here. And uh Monkey Bones, he was, at that point, actually, he might have been going by his American. What was it again? Mike Dick. Mike Dick. Bro, I'm from America. My name is Mike Dick. Yeah. His very American name. And before that, he was Fitz. <laughs> uh, so Monkey Bones shows up. He's trying to sell his taser, stun gun, whatever it was, for 40 bucks. Of course. This is reasonable. And someone said, uh, well, for 40 bucks, can we just taser you? Yep. He said, absolutely. Yep. Because then he gets to keep his taser and, and get the 40 bucks. So it, none of us at the, uh, the conversation with Monkey Bones had that kind of money. No. But... We knew our buddy Steve might be able to uh, put that forty dollars. Yeah, together. at that point, I had done one series. Yeah, it was on a network. Big day. Yeah, there was a show that I did, a pilot that I did for ABC in two thousand six, and it got picked up for thirteen episodes, in which we shot them and they aired, and it was fine. It was um, you. It was me and Wendy Malik and Kurt Fuller and one of the bad guys from Wayne's World. The best. I love that guy. He's great. And uh Josh Cook, Miriam Shore, Marla Sokoloff, and Stephanie Weir and myself. And we uh and but we had done the show and I so I had uh like You had forty dollars. I had forty bucks. And I expendable forty dollars. It was like And when uh, when you have like yeah. expendable cash. Yeah, like, oh this is good and you already have a full crowd of yeah, like friends. Yeah, this is and like peers. worth the forty bucks. So Steve comes down, forty bucks in hand, throws the money down at Monkey Bones, and Monkey Bones picks it up. Steve grabs the taser and proceeds to taser the shit out of Monkey Bones. The shit right out of him on the ground, like I mean, holding it there and. The end result of doing something like that when you are a comedian at the comedy store who is already a paid regular and accepted <laughs> member is that the manager comes out and bans the guy who got tasered. Tasered, yeah. Monkey Bones. I he told knows you not he was not it. supposed to bring that thing around. I told you not to bring it here, bro. This is exactly why. <laughs> As he's writhing in pain on the floor. Dude, just probably shit. In his oh, pants. Oh, for sure. I uh, kept that thing on for a good three or four seconds after he told me to pull it off. It was and just laughing hysterically, all of us standing around like, this is one of those comedy store nights where you're like, this way you got to be here on a Wednesday night yeah. in October. Well, so I gave him the money first, so he's confident. He didn't run it back away or anything like that. He didn't, yeah. He wasn't like he's not stand sure. Ground. He knew he was he the, he already got the money, so he's like, I'll do it. He lost... He he, I think he wanted point. more money after he, the amount of time I held it on him, and I said, no way, buddy. Absolutely not. <laughs> we made a deal. You had, to, you had to get these agreements in the contract beforehand. Yeah. You can't just decide now no that way. because I tasered you for an extremely extended period of time. It I mean, was reasonable I, to me at the time. It, it was reasonable. No question re- about that. I get it. Yeah, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. And this is this is a guy who uh, there's no way he's not that, dead, is he? Too? I don't oh, think so. God, I saw him at uh, Monkey Bones. If you're listening, we were we were send us a recent picture. Monkey Bones about oh man, I don't know, maybe about two three months ago. 
And uh, and then like three days later, someone provided a photo of Monkey Bones at Norm's. No way. They're at Norm's after a night at the comedy store. It's like one thirty in the morning, and there's Monkey Bones. Whoa. Selling lighters and eating uh, some sort of a fucking omelet. Monkey Bones surprise. There were some great ones. I used to host, I hosted the open mic here for years. And that's when I was prime time open mic. Years. Yeah. Me and Shafir flip flopped. It was, it was about, Monday, Skippy Tuesday. Simon. Skippy Simon was in there, the heavy rotation. And um, it, it was probably, it was about 40% young comics who hope to be comics someday. Uh, about out of that 40%, I'd say about 20% of them had futures and are probably still doing comedy. 80% of that 40% are done forever. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the actual 60% were like 45-year-old drifters. Yep. Who had just been doing this. Like, this is what they did for life was yes. the open mic at the comedy store. This was their reason to for, you don't definitely go, get up on Sunday. You don't go home. You don't go back to Duluth. No. When you've got... The deal worked out you doing where you get to yep. go up three times a month at the comedy store on a Sunday night That's it. for a total of eight people. They're in. Gaylord Dinglers. Gaylord Dingler. This guy was great. There's a, a documentary about him that someone ended up making, but this guy was like a 30-year-old micer. At least. I think he was there when Robin Williams hosted. Yeah. Uh, when I was a host, I would I would give Gaylord extended time, but he was fucking nuts. He was yeah. Brilliantly nuts in that way where you're like, he's either fucking with us all and that's really funny or he's fucking retarded. Yeah, I think he was probably just a little slow. Um, had some paranoid, schizophrenic A lot of elements. mental illness. There was mental illness. and He did one time in a racist quip explain to me that he wouldn't he wouldn't let Eddie Murphy shine his shoe. Really? He cared so little for him. What, because of the color of his skin Absolutely. or just his comedy? No. Oh, really? It was based strictly on wow. his race. I had no idea Gaylord was a racist. Yeah. And then... You would think because he looked like... uh Which one was Crosby? The the Crosby, right? With yeah. the mustache and the... Yeah, he did. And he wore a lot of denim. Yeah, he wore... He was a... Gaylord went denim hat, denim jacket. Yeah. Denim pants. I watched, uh, the last time I saw Gaylord, he was crawling out of the bushes in front of the, uh, what's the sushi place next door? Oh, um, Katsuya? No, not Katsuya. Where this place Whatever is. the hell the name of it. I should know Katana? it. Katana? Katana. Yeah, yeah, Katana. Yeah. Uh, I was walking to my car, cause like you said, Pat James wouldn't let us park in the lot. And, uh, he, he came crawling out, literally crawling on his hands and knees out of the bushes in front of Katana. Oh my god. I was like, Gaylord. Oh, yeah, hello. He said something to me about my father, uh, something about my father working for H&R Block and how they about the, how they were ripping off Americans. You know what's funny? I watched the progression of, um, who was the one with the, uh, Mickey? No, Mickey was always, Mickey was crazy when I got here, but I watched, he wasn't, and I'm not going to say normal, but he wasn't fine when I first got here, but the guy who had elephantitis in his balls. Crispy Chicken. Crispy Chicken. Yeah. Crispy Chicken was just a guy who went up as this character named Crispy Chicken when I first got here. Yeah, as well. He Very quickly and rapidly and <laughs> the decline it, was, a humongous decline into, com- oh, I mean, when I first paranoia. Up, yeah. Uh, uh, schizophrenia for sure. When he showed up. Elephantitis. Yeah, his, his nuts got so big that 
It looked like he had about he was forty pounds of fucking coffee oh in his pants. Oh my god! It was and disgusting. He showed up one night in a wheelchair that had wheels made of wood. Yep, he had a wheelchair, <laughs> and what he would do was this is when we had the payphone in the back. This is when people still use payphones. Yeah, he one time he would wheel he would wheel the wheelchair out front, right, and try to get someone try desperately to get someone to take him like back give him money for a hotel or take him back and then when he knew he couldn't get it back to anyone or or go anywhere he would wheel himself to the back pick up the payphone call 911 and i would i three times i heard him say he was like yes there's a guy passed out outside the comedy store right now how old is he 56 <laughs> wait He's like in his fifties. Like he was so he couldn't couldn't cover for himself. He couldn't like pretend. Yeah, wait, yeah. damn it. Yeah, he was like, no, he's laying outside of his wheelchair, and then he would hang the phone up. He would talk to me, right, and then wait and listen yeah, for yeah, the yeah. sirens, and then run away from the conversation, <laughs> run outside, fall on the side of his wheelchair, and just lay there and wait for them to pick him up. So at least he had a place to sleep and meals to eat and stuff the next day. He also got banned from the club. And would stand up on the ramp of the Hyatt next door in the parking lot and just scream at the manager of the club. <laughs> hey, Dean Delbert, you hear me? You hear me? As soon as you turn your back, I'm going to take a dump in your car. <laughs> that was always a threat. Oh, Dean had that uh, convertible. Yeah, the convertible. convertible. Oh, and people gonna... How nobody took a shit in that back of that car. People threatened to shit in that car more often than they didn't. It was white interior. People wanted to. Ugh. He looked so inviting to take a big dump in. And he'd be so passive. He'd be like, Dean, I just took a shit in your car. He'd be like, Crispy had a, a bag of what I assumed was probably just millions of dollars cash with him that night. And uh he would just walk up and down the ramp screaming at Dean whenever he walked out. And so eventually he set his bag down on the ramp so he could charge after Dean and tell him what a fucking coward he was. Uh -huh. And he would always, uh, I was drafted by the Seattle Pilots. <laughs> and then he would do his pitching form so he could show what a good pitcher he was back in the day. And... uh while Crispy Chicken is fucking doing all this, uh, someone runs over his bag of goodies. And he gets furious, starts chasing a car up the ramp. So at this point, the, the Hyatt calls the cops. They're like, get this fucking guy out of here. He's threatening cars. So West Hollywood, in true fashion, the West Hollywood PD show up. Uh, about 18 cops, six cop cars. Perfect. Uh, a couple of SUVs, all to take care of crispy chicken. Mm -hmm. And he's yelling, this bitch drove over my CD collection. <laughs> he just keeps yelling about his CD collection. <laughs> so finally one of the cops goes over and picks up his bag and starts looking through it. And he's like, man, there's nothing here but a bunch of smashed cassette tapes. Those are CDs before that bitch ran over them. <laughs> I just remember being like, this dude is fucking legit. And uh so then didn't see him for a couple of years. One word, uh, Crispy Chicken must have died. He originally lived in the same apartment complex as, uh, PJ Stansberry, this Perfect. filth bag that works here, guy we know, buddy of ours. And, uh, so I said, yeah, he's seen Crispy Chicken. He, yeah, no, I haven't seen him in a long time. I assume the guy's dead or went back to wherever he was from. And it, again, originally when I saw him, he had, he did the open mic and he'd open with a bit about how he used to get a ton of pussy. Back when Magnum P.I. was on, because <laughs> he looked like a uh, poor man's Tom Selleck. Yeah. And he did. He looked yeah. like a slightly blonder, poor man's Tom Selleck. 
And then when, like Steve said, when this decline started, it was quick. It was like quick. One of his eyes went lazy yeah. fast, and then it was just like that droop eye that looks slightly off to the left and up, and you're like, whoa. He was the perfect uh, picture of like what not getting regular checkups. Yeah. Like preventative healthcare. <laughs> Necessary. Yeah, like he, there was no rung. He hit no rungs on the way down. He smooth sailed down to crazy town. So he was gone, and then uh, one day at a time I lived in, it was right before I moved to Hollywood, so I was still in Manhattan Beach, and watching a Dodgers game with uh, my buddy John Sheezer, buddy of ours, and he says, I swear to God, I think I just saw Crispy Chicken dancing behind home plate. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, he's sitting in like the second row, like... The two, three hundred dollars minimum seats. It's crispy chicken. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So next pitch and I'm like, that does kind of look like. Him. Oh my God. And then Vince Scully's like, whoa, there was a fan behind home plate who really enjoyed that strikeout. And then they cut to a cut slow to- motion shot. It's crispy chicken doing oh a celebration God. dance in a Hawaiian shirt. I'm just like, it's crispy chicken. How does he get into the $200 seat? So uh, that's what I'm wondering. I'm just like, how the fuck is this going on? Not more than a minute later. Uh-oh, looks like someone's getting escorted away. Uh, <laughs> so he's gotten booted. He obviously snuck down there or whatever. Oh, my God. So then don't see or hear from him again. Who sneaks down and then is like, you know what the best move after this is? I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance and make myself really well-known around the this part. Who looks homeless as can be, does. Hey, you see all these polo shirts? Look at all these squares. <laughs> I'm going to get the party started while I'm here. Somebody's got to tear the roof off this place. <laughs> so then I get two years go by or something again after that, and I get a text message from uh, another one of our friends, Mac Lindsay. And Mac's like, you'll never guess who I'm giving a blood transfusion to. <laughs> and I sit back. I think I said either Mickey or Crispy Chicken. And he was like, wow, yeah, it's Crispy Chicken. So Crispy Chicken had gone homeless. He had taken up a residence at, what's the gas station down here on the corner of Laurel oh, Canyon uh, and Sunset? Marco, is it? Yeah, it's mobile maybe yeah. or something. So lives at the gas station at the corner of uh, Laurel Canyon and Sunset. And you'll see him out there. I actually haven't seen him in about a year, but you'd see him out there every couple months dancing it up right on dancing the street corner. right away. But because he lived in a gas station, he'd inhaled so many gas fumes and uh, exhaust fumes from cars that he has a permanent blood poisoning. Oh, no. So he's got to get blood transfusions now or some shit. He's probably dead at this point. But Oh, jeez. But he was, like, he was one of those people. You should put like a... Like a tracking device on some of these guys when they take off. You know, they, they like go away. Yeah, like we need to know where they are. And Yeah, like Gaylord, he disappeared. We all thought he was murdered by Mickey. Yeah. And then some kids found read about him it in, on uh, the Michigan internet. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, found him in Detroit. Mickey. How great's Mickey? Mickey's amazing. I, I, again, I think Mickey's in Bollywood. Is it, he? Yeah, he's gone, right? He's been gone for like a year. Yep. And right before he officially right. disappeared... We found out that he had been in a couple movies in India. And it was one of those things where it was like, this guy is legitimately like a drifter. Like barely yeah. has like 20 seconds of 
short-term memory. Yeah, like if you have a conversation with him, it's not going to be longer than 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, like every, everything after that, he's like, we all. Yeah. That's yeah. how he actually talks. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> this motherfucker is over in India. Tearing in movies. Played like a bad guy. Like he's the American bad guy. He's got a mustache. He looks like Sam Shepard. Yeah, it, he's he's kind of the homeless Sam Shepard. Yeah, and yeah, he he it's gave like him, Sam Shepard and Jesus had a baby. So they they ask him uh, in in the video. They're like, yeah. So did you enjoy working here in India? Yeah, there's gonna. I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of American actors soon. It's not just gonna be me and Richard Gere. Just <laughs> like Richard Gere, you spry devil. How dare you figure that out that you and Richard Gere are both out there just doing it. I had more fun working here. And you let me know when we have to wrap up. Yeah, we got about five, ten more minutes. I had more fun working here in, I mean, seven years than I probably had in any, literally any other seven-year stretch in my life. Yeah. Uh, Well, and... I mean, just we're the shit on a regular basis right. that happened here. Like, that you would, I mean, we went through stuff, phases where it was like, there was a pit, there was a foosball table up here and it, that got banned right before got, I got hired because oh, all really? the employees were always gone. Like we were up in the phone room playing foosball tournaments. Everybody was like, in, like just, we were on top of it. We had ranking systems and battles, and there were rivalries and grudge matches that were happening. My, and then it shifted to throwing the football outside. Well, it was always wiffle, like, there was a wiffle ball, wiffle game ball, endlessly when I worked here. Dice filming. There was he was shooting something. It was like a Francis Ford Coppola movie where he would insist that you had to be like leave your post or leave your whatever job. Whatever you're doing, you were but I'm done. like Dice. I'm the cover booth guy. There are people coming in and out. He's like, whatever. We'll go. Where's, done. where's my black? I want to throw him down some stairs. Yeah, like literally. Like, what? I don't think yeah, it's... and all those things would happen on a nightly basis. That yeah. was, it was like the most one of the most interesting places you could possibly work. Yeah, I'm, not I'm, just for what was happening on stage. Yeah, in my first day working here, uh, you and Eleanor talked to me about you need a new doorman or something, and you got me the job. And my first day. Started with, I had to come to a meeting on Saturday, uh, required employee meeting, and me and the guy, Mark Hatchell, were the two new employees that were there. And the first thing that happened is I walked into the meeting, and then Pauly Shore came in to run the meeting, and I was like, no fucking way. Yep. But I didn't realize that he actually was involved in any way. Neither did we, but why, which, yeah. why we were all shocked, just like you. <laughs> and he walked in, and first thing he said was, no more foosball, bro. <laughs> and I just remember being like, what? What the fuck are they talking about? We were devastated. He shut it down. He said, dude, that, that could be underage kids just walking in here because you guys are playing games, bro. Yeah, like the one that he brought in here that time that we got banned. We got, the, we got our liquor license, license shut down for a couple days. Remember we played darts in the back? We were out for the darts era. Uh, yeah, the, the set it up. I we think set it, it up after wiffle ball. Well, yeah, we set it up in the back by the kitchen, but it was where the waitresses would walk, and they started complaining and bitching about. We not, don't want to get hit by darts. We get hit by darts, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, shut up, you we pussies!" We put up with all the comics trying to fuck us. Eh. Oh, please, they loved it. Loved it every <laughs> second of it. 
If there was ever a group that just needed it. to be harassed. Eleanor's a pig. Um, no, we, uh, I think if any story could possibly sum up the craziness that what, that my existence was here, there was a night that I had, it was a Saturday night and I had done what I do normally. I'd gone to Mitzi's house. I put her to bed, hung out with her, came over here, opening it up, hanging out, doing my shift, 15 minutes into my shift. I get a phone call. And let me preface this by saying, Mitzi is, a, I love her and, and great woman, great woman, but she has lost it a little bit. And yeah. at this point she had lost it a little bit. The mind's wandering. The mind is wandering. So, so she says, I go world famous comedy store. This is Steve speaking. How can I help you? Chipper as I can be at 1045 on a Saturday That's night. That's why you get to cover with gigs. Oh, it's me. I've been raped. Jesus. What? <laughs> Excuse me, Mitzi? What? Oh, I've been raped in my own home. I'm like, what? My God, Mitzi. Oh my this God. This is not good. So now I'm, I'm just trying to help and calm her down. Obviously, I know that she's been, this, yeah, she was, I locked everything up. There's a- anyone security who's there. Is very concerned right now? Yes. She just likes to call constantly. So this is the thing of the night. So she goes, get me Tommy, who's the cover booth, the other cover booth guy, who's her confidant. He's the talent coordinator. Yes. So I go, all right, Mitzi, I will get him for you. I go running through the back kitchen area. I go into the main room, the back of the main room. I wish I could draw a map for people, but if you ever get a chance to come to Los Angeles, just come to this place check and it check out. it out. Yeah. So into the back of the main room, and I pass Eleanor, who's our head waitress, who is serving a packed room and slinging out drinks with a lot of efficiency. And she has no she, time she was for the last bullshit. person we interviewed on the oh, podcast really? was Eleanor. So oh, great. They're yes. familiar with her. Yeah, she was she, running. No bullshit. She has no time for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, Eleanor, sh- I need, I have a problem. What? What do you want? I'm like, I, it's Mitzi. She's on the phone. What does she want? I'm like, I don't know. She's been raped. And Eleanor just goes, Oh God. And she goes, go get Tommy. So I run in and I get Tommy. I tell him he deals with the problem. As I'm coming back through the back of the main room, I have someone grab my arm and he goes, um, he goes, I just want to let you know, I rate Mitzi Shore tonight. He goes, I rate Mitzi Shore. I don't want to use the word rape. It's got evil connotation. I took sex from Mitzi Shore. And he starts going into this thing about how he <laughs> raped Mitzi Shore, and it's Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn is now telling me, Vince Vaughn is hanging out at the comedy store, and he's friends with a med, a man who's a comedian yeah. here, and he was here all the time. So this is me in a booth. Yeah. Talking to Mitzi Shore, who's telling me something outlandish, and I have to deal with it, and Vince Fawn has now told me, like, so that's what we dealt with on a yeah. regular basis. And so now Vince is like, I, and now I'm laughing, Eleanor's laughing, <laughs> everyone around our area is laughing, because everyone's heard what has happened and transpired to right. point. It's so now Vince is like night. telling us that he wants to go on the main stage <laughs> and tell all these audience people before he gets out of control and the Hollywood Reporter gets involved. We, it needs to be, we need to talk about it. We gotta get it out, everybody gets, fi- can figure it out, let's hash it out, we're all friends, let's keep it above board, he, uh, we'll play it out, we'll real deal it, we'll talk it out. I don't want to use rape. It's got evil connotations. <laughs> Does it take sound sex? good? Yeah, I took a little bit of sex, but you know what? I think she enjoyed it. I think at the end of it, she enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, th- those are the kind of things that's, that happened on a yeah, regular basis. Yeah, that same era, there was a night where he was up here with Ahmed, and Ahmed and another comic, Aaron Cater, 
we're in the middle of some fight. That happens a lot. We talked about it in the first episode of this podcast with Ari. There's just a lot of inner fighting amongst comedians. Oh, People best. don't get along. Yeah. They don't like each other. There's a lot of big egos, a lot of clashing egos. And, uh, but yeah, one of those, uh, one of those nights and I'm adding cater or literally about ready to fist fight. I think cater broke a bottle at this point. Like the fight's getting to that point where. One of them has smashed a bottle, and it's like, I'll stab you, motherfucker. Two Arabs going at it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh the the Palestinian, Aaron Cater, is yelling at Ahmed, and Ahmed, the Egyptian, is yelling back at Aaron Cater, you're a man without a country, bro. Oh. Just fueling the fire. Beautiful. And then Vince Vaughn just walks up, turns and looks at me. I was working the parking lot. He's like, hey, college kid, you grab the little guy, I'm going to get the big guy. And I'm like, it's Vince Vaughn. And he did. He wrapped his arms around him. And he's like, yeah, take a walk with me. And then I'm like looking at Cater with a fucking broken bottle. I'm like, I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, I'm good on the little guy. Just don't keep keep don't fighting. Yeah. So that night I'm just like, I can't. Vince Vaughn just. I'm mad. Look at you. You got There's a goddamn college kid trying to help break up a fight that you're in. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Weird night. Some of those stranger ones where uh, you're just like, holy fuck. I remember a night, one of the last nights I remember working, both of us working here and uh, waiting out front. And you're working the cover booth. I was working the front door and fucking uh, Danny Bonaducci walked oh, in. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. And so he walks up, asks if we can get him a waitress. We grab him, yep. Andrea, the waitress at the time. He orders a double vodka or whatever, something double Jack on the rocks. Or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. And uh, it's like, yeah, I'm eating next door at Katana with my wife. Told her I had to go to the bathroom. He's supposed to be sober at this point. Sober as like, a, yeah, yeah. He is sober. AA, all that. Comes in, orders a double. Peeks in the room. Sees Argus Hamilton on stage. Just Oh fuck! I'm in AA with Argus. Better not tell him I was Don't here. Don't tell Argus I was here. Gulps those shots. Slams the it. double down. Is like, hey, have a good night, guys. Just remember looking at you, being like, yeah. I just saw the story like about him being sober like two months before that on TV. Yeah, just like God. Yeah, crazy special night. Constantly. Anthony Michael Hall was in here for a while, picking up prostitutes, hanging out. That dude would call. Did you ever break up any night. fights in here? Uh, I, I didn't actually break up too many fights. I, I was here uh, to help break up the fight the night Paulie's assistant started admitting he was gay and all that oh stuff. And then we had to throw him through the belly room sign. <laughs> one, one second. Well, he kicked Josh Nasser in the nuts. And then he... Uh, he smacked a waitress on the ass, and then he starts trying to fight this guy oh, just standing there. Oh, he was there. a train wreck. And we smack him against the wall. We're holding on that to him. That went just as well. It's like, you know when like someone figures out they're gay, and then they're going to also figure out they're going to also tell everybody the same, the same night. night? That shit, those nights are like, the nights oh. that this place is built for. Because this place is built for, you want to go downhill real quick, we'll get you there. Dude, he went from, I'm going to fucking beat all of your asses, to and then turn to me and be like, hey, I know a comic. If he'll suck his dick, you can feature for him on the road. I sucked his dick. He let me feature for him. That's good money. He's got to suck dicks. He's like, 
Whoa. Oh, my God. I think God. I liked you better when you were kicking Nasser in the nuts <laughs> and fighting. God, the fucking Nasser night when PJ Stansberry, the guy who lived in the same building as Crispy Chicken, oh, they jumped Jimmy on... snookered off the building through the roof of a Jaguar. Oh, my buddy from New York was here, and I brought him that night, and he thought, and this was like year, I'm not even, <laughs> success. I'm on the way to successful somewhat, and he's like, oh, he looked at me with two thoughts. One was, <laughs> my God. What if what if the, what are the things have you seen? Like yeah. this is a night. This is a Thursday. What? Yeah. What, yeah what's like, the weekend? This is a normal in the like. Thursday night, and these people are jumping off the roofs onto other people's cars, and those Jaguars people are not getting that. pissed. Yeah. No, Loving do it. it. Yeah. Smashed in the <laughs> Jimmy Snooker. <laughs> Holy! It's the wrong that? place to say no. Do it and and think. There's no way that guy's gonna that, do it. Do we videotape that? No. It was before everyone had a camera on their phone. Oh my. God. And it's just one of those things. Like, in my mind, I remember it just flashes of PJ midair. Just yep. like, He's, what's he? Oh, my God. And just, <laughs> and just it denting in the roof <laughs> so much where it was like. Oh. <laughs> it smashed it right in. Yeah. And then ever since then, Nasser's only ever rolled in here with, like, fucking hummers and. Oh, my God. Fucking. I think PJ escalates. broke his arm or something like that or a hip. Of, well, I, I know a couple months later he jumped <laughs> off the ladder in the front of the building and hurt his knee real bad. But that was also a dare. Someone was like, oh, he, he dove into a pile of snow or of hail or something. How many times did you change that sign in the front? I had to do it a lot. Since I was fucking 21 and I got passed so early. No matter where I worked, that was I had to fucking change the sign. That was my hazing. I'm never one, and I, I think you would you would reaffirm this. I'm not one to come around here and showboat and big time, but there is no more because you re- got to remember. There's no worse feeling or little feeling than being on a pack Saturday night, Sunset Strip, and you're climbing a ladder to change someone else's name off. Yeah. And brutal. people are trying to knock the ladder down. You're on. Yeah. Su- There's not like you're changing well, it in like an alley. You're people. on sunset. The ladder on the is sidewalk. on the sidewalk. Yeah, where people are walking. Yeah, dudes are smacking Wasted. into it. You're smacking it into it. And you're on like a 15 foot ladder against the wall. There's a slightly worse feeling, and that was uh getting off to like getting one of those late night. Fallout spots we were talking about earlier, where it's like one in the morning, you finally get to go up for like nine people. You walk off stage. I remember one night it's happening, and I did so well for those nine people being like, I fucking really connected. I'm getting pretty good at like getting better at being a yeah. comic and getting stronger. Walking off stage, and a couple walking out, and the dude was like, "Hey man, you are our favorite comic of the night. You want to get high?" And I was like, "Yeah, hell yeah." We started walking to go smoke, and then manager Evan at the time walked oh. in. Oh, hey bro, someone puked in the sink and the toilet's overflowing. You gotta clean it up. And then having to tell these people that no, I can't go smoke with That's them. That's the worst. I had to go. Literally, there was turds. Some girl oh. shit, and there was turds on the ground, and I had to go mop that shit up. Oh my god! And the people. sink was just filled with puke. Just being the like this girls' is the worst. bathroom in the main room was horrifying. just a disgusting. It's a horrible, horrifying hole. women are trap. horrible. Yeah, and we're not just even talking about their comedy. They are horrible monsters. Um, horrible. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you being on. Hey, man. I'll probably Thank have you on again me. at some point. I'd if love you're to, willing, and we'll, yeah, uh, we'll chat more. So many but, stories about. Uh, yeah, this I just. Place. 
I know you, you've been a huge part of my history at the club, so wanted to get you while you're in town. Thank you. And, uh, thanks for being on in, uh, the league. It's airing when? Uh, September 4th. September uh, Wednesday 4th. nights we moved to this year, I think 1030 again, but it's on FXX. It's that new channel that FX is doing. Right. Look, call your local cable provider. Tell them we don't care about CBS and then Time do, Warner Cable. That's a, I was home with my dad and, uh, He's like, what is this new FXX? I'm like, I don't know, Dad. What channel is it? I go, they haven't made the channel yet. He goes, well, how do I know? I go, call your cable provider. They'll tell you what channel it is. They'll let you know. He called his cable provider the next day. He's like, what channel is it? They're like, we don't know. We haven't done it yet. He's like, I called the cable provider. What, what are you telling people? I go, <laughs> I, and I went to FX. I was like, I'm really, everyone's calling their cable provider and nothing's working yet. Yeah. It's not. So I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be on. Yeah. You'll find it. It's it's launching in uh, it, the league in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Or like yeah, the they're going to be the new the staple yeah, of the, of the new channel, over. FXX. So September 4th? Yeah, September 4th, 1030, FXX. It's a Wednesday. Any Is there any exciting stories you can tell us? J.J. Watts season? on the first episode. Nice. Dude, that guy is a beast. He's a monster. Monster? The nicest monster. He's like Shrek. 24 years old. Jesus. Do you see that video of him jumping on top of the six-foot chest? Yeah. That's like Bo Jackson style. Craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's impressive. Six-foot chest. He jumped on top of it. He's 6'5", 290, and there's a scene where he chases us. Jesus. And his closing speed, bro, I've never seen anything like it. It's He's just one of the scariest people I've ever seen in my life. A human gazelle. Yeah. Wow. Humongous. Okay. So we got the Flash Incredible Hulk hybrid. J.J. Watt. going to be on. J.J. Watt. And, uh, Seth Rogen's back this year. Nice. All right. So we're, we're keeping we're keeping the A-list rolling then. Yeah. Jay Cutler's on the show this year. Fuck. He's a diabetic. It we talked been, about that on the show. Uh it would have been type really one nice. too, right? Yeah. It would have been nice if you could have had me on so we could have talked to insulin. Oh, I should have. Just, is there a, you know, insulin chat with Rink Ingram? Do you have a podcast? We're looking to expand. Chat. I, there's two podcasts I really want to start. One, insulin chat. Insulin chat. Over, you know, we just talked. It's all about type oneers. We don't put up with any of that fatty sugar bottom type no. two. You did it to yourself bullshit. Yeah. Good old fashioned, all American, Jesus did this to me, type one. I'll get my dad and he'll have a cross, you guys can do a crossfire. Perfect. Type one versus type He's two. He's a tour? He's getting there. Alright, well, see, it's perfect. <laughs> By the time you get this thing off the, off He's, the, he's of Italian descent. Yeah. There's a lot of carbs in that pasta. A lot of It'll carbs. work the, the it's never going out. away. Um, alright, well yeah, so check it out and, cool. uh, Ren is easy, uh, what's your website? SteveRenazizi.com. SteveRenazizi.com. Start putting R-A-N-N into Google, and then it'll finish the rest. Double N, double Z, one S. Yeah, but they'll Boom. find it. They'll never remember that. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. And uh, you touring. Got dates coming Start up. Start again in the fall. All right, cool. Check them out. Go see them. Yeah. It's funny. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>